Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Today we have a very special episode. We are joined by Christy Shelley from The Mom Advantage. Uh, She is a two-time entrepreneur, sold her first business, uh, and has a daughter who's eight. And so we are excited to talk to her about how that she's created a better way for herself as a mom and as an entrepreneur, uh, and learn from some of the lessons she's learned as she's built a business, sold it, and now is building a new business. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Um, Still learning, always learning. Haven't learned everything yet. (laughs) Of course, of course. Same with us. Right. Um, But yeah, so tell us, talk to us a little bit about your background. Uh, Like what makes you tick, what you get excited about first? Um, Well, I mean, beyond family, a really good book and an awesome massage or a bathtub, anything relaxing, because you know, this entrepreneurial world is exhausting. (laughs) So anytime I can take uh, time for myself, like that is what gets me going uh, and relaxed. I'm one of those that I go, 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 go all day. I have a day job. I have my side job, which is the mom advantage and that I'm trying to build. And so at the end of the day, like I, in order to recharge for the next day, I just need alone time. Like I need to just be by myself. So that's what, what keeps me going each day. Um, but on the um, passion front, um, what gets me going is early literacy. And um, that's my kind of my soapbox that I keep in my back pocket. Okay. And what, uh, what made you so interested in that or made it become a passion? Did you have an experience yourself with your daughter or, uh, talk to us a little bit about that. It actually goes way back before I was ever a mom. Um, so I think it was Oprah who said like, you will have little whispers and then it gets louder and louder and louder until it's like yelling at you. So this is an experience that I've had, um, When I was a teacher, I learned uh, a certain way to teach reading that I never had known existed. And I thought to myself, well, why wasn't I taught to read this way? Um, Because I was a wonderful reader until I hit about third, fourth grade when things get really complicated. And um, so I struggled. In fact, I'm a huge reader now, but all through middle school, high school, I hated to read. And my mother would cringe because she's, she was a teacher. She taught for over 30 years. And, but you know, at the time, I mean, that was in um, the early eighties, there was like one way to teach reading and it was um, not the scientific way that we know now. So when I was a teacher, I learned things like how to sound out words that I never knew the rules to. And it was really eye opening for me. Um, then I became a consultant and I traveled all over the country, helping teachers in reading and doing coaching in classrooms. And most of my time in there was an intervention. 
And I thought, well, why intervention? Why aren't we doing prevention? Why are we getting to this point? So, you know, this voice is starting to get a little bit louder in my head. Mm-hmm. Then I became a mom. And that was probably the catalyst really for this because I would do things with Della that my other mom friends are like, what are you doing? Like, why are you always playing rhyming games with her? And, you know, like what's all this clapping with the words and, you know, all these activities we were doing. And it dawned on me that not every mom knows, you know, what you need to do at home to help them be prepared for reading. And then kind of like the, well, I have two little stories. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, but the moments that I was like, okay, now this, this is my calling. Like, this is what I need to do. I was at um, kindergarten orientation, which is very overwhelming, right? Your, your <laughs> first kid, you're going to kindergarten orientation, you're emotional, you want to burst into tears <laughs> because your baby's all grown up. And, you know, but I'm an educator and I'm sitting there and Brian was like, don't ask a million questions, just like let them do their thing. But I couldn't <laughs> resist. At the end of the presentation, they said, does anyone have questions? So I raised my hand and I said, when do you teach high frequency words? And they gave an answer. And afterwards, uh, one of the moms who I've known for a long time tapped me on the shoulder and said, what were you asking? Were you speaking a foreign language? I have no idea what you're asking about. And that was a little click for me. Like she has a kiddo going into kindergarten. She's never heard of high frequency words. Like Della knows 10, you know, because I know, I knew that she needed a little bit of foundation before going into kindergarten and being comfortable with words and being comfortable with some of the things that she was going to be taught. And then the very last little, you know, I guess cherry on top was sitting uh, right before COVID hit last January at um, a mom's dinner where I've known this group of moms since our babies were three months old, some even younger. And there were um, a group of us sitting at at the dinner table and over half of the kiddos represented at the table were in reading intervention in first grade. And that broke my heart because I've known these moms forever. I could have helped them. I could have given them more information so that their little ones were never had to be an intervention. And I had already kind of started to dabble with the mom advantage before then. And like just sharing, you know, the, the, the power of early literacy and how easy it is to prepare your little ones for reading. Um, but I, it just clicked in like, I need to, I need to go do this because more, I can help more kids and, you know, reading's connected to everything, mm-hmm. right? If you can't read, you can't do math, you can't do social studies. I mean, I could go into all the statistics of the dropout rates um, when, mm-hmm. when kids are struggling in reading. And I share this statistic with people that's really sad and they're usually shocked, but over 62% of our fourth graders in the United States read below grade level over 60. Wow. It's actually closer to 65% now. And it's only going to keep going because of the situation we're in. I was going to so say, are those I, pre-COVID numbers? Yes. 62% pre-COVID numbers. Um, I saw um, a, another study that was like 65%. And if we look at our black and brown population, it's even higher. It's closer to 80%. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with that. Right. And I feel like if moms knew that, they wouldn't be okay with it either. And not only can you help your little one by knowing some of the fun things you can do and just being educated and informed about this, you can help other kids. Because then when your kid gets to school, you know the right questions to ask the teacher. You have 
you let that teacher, you have no, you have expectations of how your little one's going to be taught to read when they step into the, that classroom. So that's my mission is to really, number one, teach parents things they can do at home and in the fun way to kind of prepare for reading because reading's really hard. It's very complicated and challenging, but it's actually pretty easy to build a, a pre-foundation. But then the second half of that coin is I really want to educate moms. When your little one is in kindergarten and first grade, what should you expect to see in the classroom? You have a bigger voice than you think you do. I think parents don't really know that they have a voice in their child's education. They can say something, they can demand a phonics education, a phonics approach, you know, um, along with wonderful literature and all the great things that come with learning to read. But learning to read is beyond learning the ABCs and just reading to your kid. There's a lot more that goes into it. Mm-hmm. I love everything you just shared about something that I think is really important is how you talk about it being fun and easy. And I think part of that stems from the awareness. And like you said, there's just a lack of awareness. So interestingly enough, my mom is actually a literacy coordinator. She taught first grade for 30 years. She is now coaching other teachers. I then was on your website, taking the really fun quiz you have. I have a um, three and a half year old and a three month old. And for the three and a half year old, we've been doing distance learning and he's now in in in-person preschool five days a week. I he's made leaps and bounds. The teachers have been fantastic. But when I was doing your quiz to assess, is he ready for early um, reading? And what are some of the activities we can do? I came across the term high frequency words and I didn't know what that was. And you can think about all of my outside influences. I know it's important, but that I I had to stop and think about it. Um, And it makes sense in retrospect, but I think there's this lack of awareness. And I think to most moms or dads, it seems intimidating and a lot of work and it doesn't need to be. And so that's what I love about what you do is you're simplifying it and integrating it into the everyday life, as opposed to making it this big thing or something that has a stigma around it. It's really awesome. That's the hard part. And I struggle with that daily because I'm, I'm an educator. You know, I have, I have my master's in curriculum instructional design, my day job. I actually design curriculum. So I, I, it's like, I know too much and I have to try really hard to keep it very simple and filter it so that you don't need a PhD to understand these concepts. And I, I like to just do it in baby steps, right? Like just learning little basic basic concepts. Um, another big word that comes into the play, it comes into play is phonological awareness. And that sounds kind of intimidating, but it's really playing with sounds and being aware of sounds and words. So you wonder why we all rhyme with our little ones so much. It's because you're working on phonological awareness. Like, can they hear things that rhyme? Um, you can go into great detail and talk about rhymes, are I-M-E and um, onsets and rhymes that, that gets very complicated. But if you just keep it at the simple surface for parents, like rhyme with your kiddos, like rhyme, play with rhymes. There's a bunch of rhyme games you can do in the car, you know, riding the tea to, to work or however, you know, you're with your kiddo. You have to keep it simple or they're going to run away <laughs> and not want to learn more. Yeah. So speaking of baby steps, what were your baby steps to getting to owning your second business? So you started as a teacher and I think I would assume, I don't know about you, Danielle, but the transition from teacher to consultant to now a two-time business owner, is this something you, those whispers um, that you got, is that you always knew you wanted to be doing this or was it kind of a more natural progression? I'd love to know a little bit about that journey. I would like to say the mom advantage is my third business because my first business, I was like seven 
And I would walk around my neighborhood <laughs> with my red wagon and my crayons and paper and draw portraits for people. <laughs> oh my gosh. We have girls in my neighborhood who do that. They, they walk around and they sell their drawings. I'm like, these girls are entrepreneurs. They're yes. going to go places. Yes. They're going to rule the world one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always, I've always known, um, I would do something like this, but I wasn't quite sure how, and, and, and you know, just kind of deep down on, in, in some way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went from teaching and then was recruited into a publishing company. And essentially I would, when school districts would, would buy our products, we would go and then train them on how to use them. And then it, you know, it became much deeper process um, where we would coach them and we would do week-long trainings. And I really learned a lot during that time. Um, and then I've all, uh, you know, continued to kind of keep up with those times um, because I switched over into the language side of, of education. And so um, I met my best friend when I was working at that publishing company as a consultant. And we left and built our own company because we knew that students that were Eng what we call emergent bilinguals, English language learners, um, where English is their second language, mm -hmm. they were not getting an opportunity to talk in the classroom. They were getting all this English, 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 and then expected to you know, test and produce and all of that, but they were never getting an opportunity to speak it. But we know in order to um, learn a language, you have to speak a language, right? And so we created a curriculum around speaking in the classroom. And then we were um, acquired by a very well-known ed tech company that we have partnered with. And we've then built our product that we had at our first company into a more digital, robust, amazing product um, that was actually just launched last summer during a pandemic. <laughs> so, um, and so anyway, so that having that first business with Maya, my best friend, uh, really taught me a lot. I mean, we went head first into, you know, listening to podcasts and listening to like Lewis Howes, who has the school of greatness. Like we listened to him like every week, you know, we started following like Marie Forleo. We just really started following like entrepreneur entrepreneurs and just, um, learning about entrepreneurship and then I realized like, I love marketing. I love Canva. Like there's a lot of pieces to business that I just, it really gets me excited. And so I don't know, I just always had that spark. You know, obviously our company was bought. I have been in a contract with this company to um, remain on and help them build a product. But I've always known that someday I will go back to being an entrepreneur. So um, that, someday is, is happening definitely um, in the near future, for sure. Quick question on sort of the timeline, because I know for entrepreneurs, there's always this question of like, when do I leave my job? Uh, I've got this stable paycheck and health insurance and all the things, right? The computer, the cell phone bill paid for, right? Um, and so when you were at the publishing company and you met Maya, at what point did you guys leave the job, leave your full-time job to, to go full force in, in lingual learning? I don't remember Maya's situation. Mine's kind of interesting. There could be a whole other podcast about this one. <laughs> um, we were going through IVF and I had, you know, we'd gone through a bunch of procedures. We had our first official IVF you know, process and, um, we lost those. And so I was like, you know, 
I just need like a, a break. I just need a break. And the, the position that I was in, like you had to carry big boxes of textbooks and they are really having, you're constantly like loading up your van to take the textbooks to, this was before like ed tech was ed tech, you know, yeah. where you're just on a computer. But back then you like had, you know, boxes of books. And my doctor was like, you can't be lifting those types of books, you know, when you're doing this. So with the permission of my husband, I essentially was like, I got to get out of here and find something else to do. Well, in the meantime, Maya said, Hey, I have this idea for this product. And I was like, I'm out, like, let's do it. Let's do this. Um, so yeah. And we just, we just did it. And you know, our husbands are both entrepreneurs. So I think that that helps Definitely. because they know the lifestyle. Now I think Danielle has a good point. I feel like there's like two parts in an entrepreneurial journey. One is that when am I going to switch my identity to full-time entrepreneur? And then the second is you get past that honeymoon period where it's fun and exciting. And then it gets really tough because Mm -hmm. every entrepreneur fails forward in some way. So in your and Maya's journey, was there any point where you were like, this is, I just, how are we going to move this forward? Or was it, um, a little bit quicker to success in selling the company than you expected? Both. (laughs) So first I want to say it is really hard. And there were a ton of moments, especially because we started this and then I ended up, you know, luckily having a successful um, next round and was pregnant. And so I helped for those, you know, 10 months leading up to that. And then I took a break and said, I got to go be a mom. And for eight months, I did not work. I didn't help at all. Luckily, we had already like started the program and we had writers like helping us write it. So it was a good, a good time. Um, but so that was a, a huge challenge. And Maya will tell the story. She wasn't sure I was coming back. <laughs> but there were a lot of ups and downs and hard moments. And I have to tell you that it sounds so corny, but if you're not passionate about it and it doesn't get you up every morning, it's hard because, and, and, and when we were, when we had lingual learning, I would say like, I'm never doing this again. This is so overwhelming. Like I hate all this pressure, like paying people and making sure the bills and all of that. And so now I'm at this point and I'm like, remember how hard that was. Remember how hard that was. But my mission is much bigger than that. And so that's why I feel like I, it is my soul's purpose to do this. And like, it doesn't matter how, how hard it is. So we were at one of the hardest points where, you know, we were, we, we were in business for five years. We had, it took two years to develop and we had been selling the product for three years. And by, by that, I mean, I'm in Boston. I'm doing all the marketing, the behind the scenes work. We actually did bring in a marketing person who was amazing um, kind of towards the end. And then Maya's out in California selling. So we've got this one little amazing human going around selling our product to every school district that we had worked with in the past saying, hey, look, you really need to be doing this. Luckily, that went wonderfully. Um, We've got a few more people to help us sell. But then we were at that point where like, okay, we've got a couple more sales reps. We've got a marketing person. Like now what? You know, and this is when we needed to flip. And we started looking for investors And that's when we met the company that acquired us. So it ended up, you know, the universe just completely on our side. 
hurt us. You know, we need to do something. We need to shift somehow. We either need to sell our company or we need to find investors and the universe decided for us. And we very quickly um, found someone that wanted to um, really, they really wanted M Maya and myself. They wanted us um, and our, our IP to come and help them build an amazing product. So um, we were able to escape the hard part um, <laughs> because we, we, you know, you have to have that in mind. You have to be open to, to like, however it's going to, to turn out. And we were, we were like, look, we've done it. We, we made a million dollars in revenue, which is huge. Like two women entrepreneurs, you know, in business five years, like those numbers are amazing. I think it's really important that people share financial numbers because mm -hmm. it's doable. Totally agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's doable, really hard in B2B, B2B is super hard to sell to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and especially education systems. So we were very proud of ourselves for getting to that point because it's really difficult, but we knew that we either had to close up shop, right. Which is okay. Like we were successful. We helped, you know, thousands and thousands of kiddos out there. Um, we needed to get investors or we needed to be bought. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're like, we'll just take whatever comes our way. And so having an educational background and then building a company, hiring people, having people on payroll, doing marketing, aside from following other entrepreneurs, is there any other training that you did or surrounding yourself with people or advisors that you had along the way? Um, because I think a lot of people that are listening, they may be solopreneurs. And then there's the other side where you actually have a team or you're building a company. Um, and I just love to know about how you kind of helped, you got support navigating that. Yeah, very important to have your people, right? People to support you and be around other entrepreneurs. I think that that was one thing we started to join groups, you know, just Facebook groups even um, that are helpful. I did do um, a business course, you know, just like the, there's a lot of them out there. I won't name specifically, but there, you know, there are so many wonderful, you know, six weeks, three months, whatever type of courses that I think kind of give you a little, a little bit of information to kind of help you get started. But I reaching out and just asking questions like that was the, that's the best advice I can give anyone. Never be afraid to ask questions and you'd be surprised at what people know. Right. And, and uh, you two are a perfect example. Like you didn't know that the other one of you was going down this entrepreneurial path unless mm -hmm. you ask. Right. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting uh, what you get from people that you're not really sure where they come from or um, what experience they have, but that you can always get little tidbits. I'm fortunate that my husband's in finance. And so he obviously was able to help us a lot on, on that end, just like, you're like, where do I keep all this stuff? Like, let's get a QuickBooks account or whatever it might be. Um, but I think just, just being brave enough to ask those questions and being okay with failing at it too. And, and asking more questions is probably the best advice I can give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for me, I've definitely transitioned from a do it, you know, figure it out myself to seeking out more help from professionals because I'm realizing that I'm just wasting a lot of time trying to figure it out myself when there's people out there who, who I can just even just follow online, like just follow their Instagram account and learn so much of what I'm trying to learn. So, um, not, you know, that doesn't even count programs that you join and, and things like that, which are great. I mean, there's so many great in 2021, there's so many great coaching programs that are affordable and can give you the education you need to, to move a piece of your business forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're in the, the age of like free information, right? So there's a lot of great, amazing people out there. And then find someone that you've really um, received a lot of information and value from, and then seek them out and maybe hire them. I mean, it's hard when you're an entrepreneur and you're just starting out and maybe scraping to get by. I mean, we were definitely a bootstrap company for sure. Um, and even had, you know, a physical product, which is, which is difficult. So we had to really choose like where our money went. And I think that you need to kind of sit down and, and think about that, you know, there's a great model called Profit First, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've really stuck by that. I, I think that that's a really good model to follow just to get yourself started because you're like, well, how much do I pay myself? How much do I spend on marketing? How much do I spend on you know this and that? I think just having like a nice little baseline of percentages to get you going on how much you should, it'll help you to know how much you should invest in someone doing copy on your website or mm-hmm. what, whatever it might be for sure. I just wrote that down. Yeah. I'll find the chart. I have it. I'll send it to you. I sent it to my Courtney brother. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Courtney I'm, actually talks about this a lot. Um, the fact that, you know, you can go on Instagram or any other social media and it looks like these people are running these businesses all by themselves and, and it's really successful. And you're like, why can't I do that? How is this person doing it all by themselves? And I can't. And the truth is that they're not doing it by themselves. You know, they have a Courtney behind the scenes who's doing all of their branding and copywriting, uh, et cetera. So it's, it's always important to figure out. And to your point, like Danielle, even you and I, like we have, we kind of support each other. If I see something that I know is going to help you further along in your goals, I'll shoot it to you. And we kind of share together. Um, so I think that's also one of the things that, you know, it's funny being a mom and being an entrepreneur, I feel like there's an element of sisterhood in both. So I never understood, even though I have lots of nieces and nephews, what it was like to be a mom until you became a mom. It's one of those things like once, you know, you know, and now that I'm also an entrepreneur, it's one of those, okay, once, you know, you know. And so I think that anyone who's been along that journey and is even one step further, um, along than you can be a huge resource and we all want to help each other. And so I love what both of you guys are saying. I found that so true so far is that people are willing to help you Um, they've been there, they felt it, they've overcome it and they're going to, they're going to help you in return. So I love it. Um, one of the things speaking of like mom and entrepreneur, so Christy, you had mentioned that, you know, you found out that you were expecting your daughter, which was amazing and super exciting right around the same time that this company was getting off the ground. And something that I have learned in a very short time as a mom and an entrepreneur is it is. I originally took the entrepreneurial path because I, I thought that I would have, um, more time and, um, be able to enjoy more time with my family, which I do. But at the same time, when you're an entrepreneur, you're doing all the things and you want to do all the things. When you have that fire in your belly, you just want to help all the people and you want to bring all of your ideas to life. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how you, what you have found challenging and then any practices or boundaries or tools you've used to make sure that you're able to really enjoy both. Because I get the sense from you that, you know, being present as a mom is just as important as being successful as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. hundred percent. And we live in a time when we don't have a village necessarily. We don't have, mm-hmm. you know, grandma and mom living in our house. Like they did many moons ago. 
Um, so we are doing it all. And I know it's a little stereotypical, but moms typically, and it's definitely in my household, um, are doing a lot of the, you know, the schooling and the cooking and the cleaning up and, and the, maybe just cause I care. My husband can let the dishes sit in the sink for a week and wouldn't care. <laughs> I can't go to bed with dishes in the sink. That's my own problem. I will work on that. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, there's definitely, um, it's hard to, again, because I, I have a, an amazing day job and I'm in meetings all day. And so I, you know, after I put Della to bed, I'll usually come back to my computer and work on things. I work a lot on the weekends, which makes me feel super guilty because I can't like be with her, but I feel in my bones that it will pay off one day. It may be five years from now, but, um, I just, I know that it will pay off and we love to travel. So entrepreneurship is really, um, perfect for our lifestyle because we travel a lot. And, um, I want, I, I know I want something where I can do from anywhere at any time. I know that COVID's completely like opened that door for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. Um, but that also I, will give me that flexibility of, you know, being able to pick up my daughter from school and take her to dance class. I can't do that every day because my day job, I might have a team meeting that I have to be on. So I have to luckily have other moms that will help me have to ask for help or, you know, make sure my husband blocks off his schedule and so forth. So I think the hardest part of doing all of this is um, to not feel guilty all the time. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then just trying to give yourself grace when you can't do it all and you feel like you should. I think those are the two hardest parts. Mm -hmm. I love that. The guilt. I don't know, Danielle, if you feel it, the guilt is real. Um, every time I'm like, Oh, I have to do some work this weekend or lots of work this weekend. My husband or my mom will be like, I thought that's why you left your corporate job. And I'm like, this is, I want to do this work. I want to do it, but I feel guilty because <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't want to do it, but I want to go hide away and just work for a few hours. Yeah. And create when you're, and like you said, that fire that. in your belly, right? Yes. You get so excited. Like I, I'll wake up at like three in the morning with an idea and like pull out my phone and like type it. And then I can't mm-hmm. fall back asleep because I'm so excited. I tell my husband yeah. that all the time. Like when I do the mom advantage full time, I'm probably going to be working more in the beginning because I will then have time to make all my videos and, you know, like write out all my content and work on the training. I've always wanted to put together the, the mom mastermind, all these things that I have planned up here that keep me up at night because I just Mm -hmm. want to get them out. So I know I will have that period of time too, where it's going to be, you know, go, go, go. But if we love it, what can you do? Yeah, I agree. It's a totally different feeling. It's I'm still in my day job and, um, doing work for my business feels different. It's exciting. It lights me up. It gives me energy versus the opposite experience, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) for my, for my day job. I think we can all relate to it. I think too, when you're not working behind your own mission, it's harder to see the impact of your day-to-day. So when you're working for a large corporation or agency, like we've had experience with, you're so much far removed from the impact you have, but each of us are in very impact-driven entrepreneurial pursuits. And I think that that makes a huge difference that, you know, that is what makes it easy to overcome all of the challenges because, you know, at the end of the day, you can help someone and, um, can you talk a little bit more too now about that you've started the mom advantage? So you're doing your, your full-time job contracting with a company that acquired your, um, product. And then how are you helping moms on the side through the mom advantage? Because I knew that I would be doing my day job. Um, I set it up 
pretty much so that moms can just go to my website and watch my daughter and I play activities and then mimic them. So I try to just kind of make it like a self-service kind of spot so that Mm -hmm. they don't really need me necessarily. Um, But I, so there's a lot of of places that you can go to um, my Instagram page. um, I actually recently, thanks to Danielle, uh, just launched that like two months ago. Um, I had my own Instagram page, but it's become a personal one. So I started a new one just for this. Um, It's called uh, Before Phonics. So um, it's not the mom, you can find it if you go to the mom advantage, I link it through there too. Um, sorry, I get, I go on tangents and then I get lost. So you were asking me about how the mom advantage helps parents. So um, I have a few, I have a few services. And again, I had to make things automated because of, of my full-time job. You can go on and see activities and games. You can take a quiz on my on my website and it will tell you if your little one's ready for reading. And it essentially is, it's geared towards like four to six-year-olds um, just so you can kind of see like where they are in that progression. And um, I have a product coming out soon that will then give you specific activities as like a scope and sequence of, you know, this week, play this game, this week, play these games and just kind of goes through. So you can kind of start to build those skills and build them up to the next phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a weekly texting service. So you can sign up um, for like a monthly subscription. And every Monday I send you an activity to your phone, which is super fun because then you don't have to go to a website or anything. Um, and right now, um, I have a kind of general, but I'm working towards, um, age specific or phase specific. So if you take that quiz, you can tell me where your little one is. I'll send you activities directly to that specific age. Mm-hmm. So, um, my, my activities are meant for busy moms like us. There's, I am the worst at prepping, uh, like art projects in those types of things. Like when That's you spend, a, like, is that something that moms do? <laughs> Where you spend like two hours, like getting something together and then they're done in like two seconds. Mm. That always drives me bananas because their attention span is like this, right? Right. So these are games. I, I keep calling them games. I should refer to them as activities. Um, these are activities that you can do anywhere. So there's no materials, there's no prep, there's no getting out Play-Doh and shaving cream. It is just like, you're in the car, you're on a walk. Um, We used to do it like as we were waiting for the subway at school, you know, before going to school. And there are games that um, preschool and kindergarten teachers play in the classroom in between like cleanup time, like, you know how you sing like clean up, clean up, Mm those types mm-hmm. of songs. Well, instead, a really good teachers will do <laughs> awareness games instead <laughs> and play them. Like, what's the first sound in hat? <sighs> what's the last sound in hat? You know, let's sing the ABC song, but I want you to stop at the letter D. A, B, C, D. And then they have to stop. So games like that, but what you're doing behind the scenes is subconsciously is you're actually building skills. So I just built your phonemic awareness and your alphabetic knowledge right with those little samples that I gave you. And if you play them every week, then your little one will start to build the skills. Um, and I, let me just go on a little side note because I think this is really important. Um, you know, I am a language and literacy expert. I know how to teach a child to read, but I also believe in the education system. And I 
I did everything my daughter needed until she was ready to like go into that classroom and learn reading skills. So unfortunately, um, that did not happen. (laughs) She did not learn the reading skills that she needed. And I will say there's a blessing to COVID because then I got to have her at home with me and I got to actually teach her the way I would teach first grade reading. And so she was able to get some of those skills that I was hoping she would have gotten in her classroom. Um, but you know, COVID is COVID and that it's, it's what we dealt with. And so, um, she did not like me being her teacher. She decided (laughs) that she wanted me to be her mom, you know, go figure and decided that she was not going to read all summer between first and second grade, like, like turn mute to reading. So I will say, even as a language and literacy expert, my second graders reading journey was not smooth. Like it was not perfect. She's still working to this day on her reading um, and she's getting better. Um, But I have to, as a mom, make sure that I'm mom first, right? And not this intense, you know, teacher in in our um, living room with her because it's, Mm -hmm. she wants mom. So that was another moment for me where I wanted to stick with the fun side of learning to read. I wanted to stick stick with the activities that I have on my webpage that are really light and fun and they let mom still be mom, but also prepare their child for those reading skills that they'll need. Della has the skills. She's got them because I laid that foundation for her. And now in her time as she's ready and she gets more skills from her teacher this year, which has been wonderful, she'll, she'll, she's ready to go and ready to build those reading skills. So it's not always perfect, but Mm -hmm. you can take confidence and comfort that if you build that foundation, they will be fine when they actually get the right instruction, which is the other half of my mission is to teach moms again, like what should happen in the classroom, what they should ask for in the classroom to make sure that their students are being taught through the scientific reading approach, which is, they call it the scientific the science of reading, um, please Google it. It's really important to understand um, what's out there in the education system right now. Cause there's actually a thing called the reading wars. I don't know if you have, are familiar with the reading no. wars yet. Google that too. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot around it, but uh, science has proven that students need to have a systematic explicit phonics instruction in order to learn those basic skills and be able to comprehend what they're reading and, and to move on. When I shared that statistic earlier that 60, over 62% of students aren't reading at grade level, the number one thing that's missing is phonological awareness, which I talked about earlier. So just not being able to like manipulate and hear sounds and words is what is blocking most of our readers from being successful readers. So that's why the activities on my page are so important, play them before they get into kindergarten, first grade, and they will be way, way ahead, leaps and bounds ready for reading. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, one of the things that I think happens, especially with like mom entrepreneurs, especially, or, you know, any mom really, whether you're working in a full-time job or for yourself, um, and being a mom in and of itself is a full-time job is we, I don't know about anybody else, but I walk around with a to-do list all day. And I'm all business. I'm all business. And it's like, I can relax when, and I sometimes struggle to take that hat off, especially when I'm playing with my boys. And I try to find little games we can do or little like 
rituals. And I feel like your day, your weekly texts and some of those activities can become fun rituals you can do that let mm. you take off that drill sergeant hat <laughs> of like, I've got, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. I got to get all these things done. Let's go, go, go. Um, and just have some fun while also knowing that you're doing something productive and enriching for your kids. hundred percent. So I wanted Daniel. to point out one other, th- no. Yeah. I wanted to point out one other thing that you said there, which is that, um, as moms and professionals, we have this knowledge of what our kids should be doing. Right. And we want to put that on them and we want them to pick it up immediately and run with it and be excited about it. Just like we are. And you made a really good point there, Christy, where you talked about how Della didn't want you to do that. She, she rebelled in the sense that she was like, I'm not going to read all summer because this is like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And all we can do as parents, what we have to remember, because there's so much mom guilt is that all we can do as parents is give them the foundation. Our kids then get to decide what they do with it. And it's the same thing with eating healthy. And I, I bring this up all the time. All we can do is offer them diverse foods. We can't force our kids to eat vegetables, but when our kids get out, we can check off the box, Courtney, (laughs) that we gave them the foundation, right? Like they grew up in a household where their parents and their siblings were offered diverse foods and they had exposure to them and they understand what healthy eating looks like. And that's it. If they then choose to not eat healthy, that's their decision. And we have to let our kids be their own people. And I think that that's been the hardest lesson for me as a mom is, is letting them be their own people, even at two years old and trying not to control, trying to step away from trying to control every little thing that they do and, and remind myself, like I've done my job and what they do with it now is their decision. Um, which is really, really hard. Yeah. I, that isn't I just had like a big aha moment. I can so relate to that. And I was thinking food exposure and also just human, like being a good person, right? Mm-hmm. You can only model and teach them so much. And then they're going to go off in the world. And hopefully this foundation that you've taught them will stay with them. They may go off track. They may run with a, you know, bad group of kids in high school, but deep down you made them a good person and they know what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And they may go off and, you know, eat potato chips and whatever, but eventually they'll come back. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you laid that foundation and that, that you hit it right on Danielle. Like Della knew what to do. Like she had all the skills that she needed to be read, to read. She was going to do it when she came back to it and she was ready for it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So many good parallels to life and business and everything. Oh, I know. I just... was just going to say, we need to be, you know, what is it? Um, relentless in your goals, but um, flexible in the approach or the path that you take. I feel like that's true as a mom and I'm learning true as a business owner too. So um, I think we have, we've learned so many amazing things from you, Christy. One of the things that Danielle and I always like to ask our guests is, you know, in your journey as an entrepreneur and as a mom, if you were to share with fellow, we're using the term mompreneurs, um, a better way. So something you've learned or discovered either, you know, 
early on or in hindsight, what is that better way that you would recommend to other moms who are on their entrepreneurial journey and why? I think we just summarized it when we were talking about um, having our discussion we just had, like just being flexible with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we're flexible with our kids, but we always are, give ourselves a hard time. We're not always flexible with ourselves. We're not always compassionate with ourselves. And, you know, I, I have uh, two best friends. And so I always have that, those sounding boards that I can say anything to, but you also need to be your own best friend sometimes and mm-hmm. ask yourself, like, what advice would I give you if I was your best friend? And I find myself sometimes if I can't reach out to Maya or Kiki, I will have to kind of be my own best friend and really go, you know, deep and say like, well, what advice, you know, would you give? I think, you know, whether you're a mom, um, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're both, just giving yourself that grace and that flexibility to make mistakes, ask the questions that, that you need help with. And, and try to build your village because as I said earlier, we don't really have one. So we need to kind of build it ourselves. And maybe that's a good thing because now we have a choice on who's in our village mm-hmm. and that's how we can get through day to day. I love that. Love that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And thank you for joining us today. This was, this was great. So many good nuggets of knowledge in there and tips and tricks. I know. And I know you have a a product that you're launching soon. If folks want to kind of follow along on your journey, where can they reach you? Yes. So you can head to my website, themomadvantage.com. Right now I have the weekly text you can subscribe for. You can cancel at any time if it's not a fit for you. Um, And I keep all my price points really low because my goal and my dream is to make early literacy accessible to every child. Um, I also can, um, I have coaching sessions. There's also even a free 15 minute consult. If you want to hop on and just chat with me really quick, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so the momadvantage.com and also on Instagram, my Instagram feed is before phonics. I think that's where you can probably find most of my games and tips. Um, the product that I am launching very soon, hopefully by the end of April, um, I have a quiz that you can take, as I mentioned earlier. And then from that quiz, you'll get kind of a phase where your little one falls within the reading journey. And I have specific games that you can play um, for that phase to help move them on to that, to that next phase. So again, hopefully that will be coming out at the, um, the end of, of the month. I do have um, launching actually um, another one. I forgot about this one because I did it last summer and it was so much fun. Um, it's called the Summer Climb. And so it's a little, um, a little project for moms in the summer. Uh, last year I did it for six weeks. And I think this year I, my schedule is going to be over like a a quick small bites over 10 days where you can sign up and every day I'm going to send you a little nugget about early literacy and a game to play. And then the next day you'll get another one so that you can build those skills for your little one. And it's kind of like a daily reminder to hopefully boost you into this habit and to get into this habit every day with your little one. That's fantastic. I feel like all of this is so timely too. just having done distance learning with a three-year-old through preschool every day for the last year. Um, my eyes are much wider, um, open to all of this. And I feel like so many moms and even dads can benefit from this right now. So that's awesome. Yes. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, if you have any requests for future topics or guests, just head to the show notes for how to reach us. And if you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you take a second to leave a rating and review. Until next time, mom friends.